0: Freedom is not a gift bestowed upon us by other men, but a right that belongs to us by the laws of God and nature. Benjamin Franklin. You're listening to the Matt Gore Podcast, where freedom reigns. For now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the second episode of the Matt Gore Podcast. I want to thank everybody. Um, I've had great response so far, so I'm very grateful for that. Thank you very much. Uh, I wanted to fill you in on where you can find... Find my podcast and um, and interact with me. Uh, of course, you can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and of course, the Anchor app or anchor.fm. That is where I record it also have a Facebook page, at Matt Gore Podcast. You can interact with me there, send me messages, and I will post all the Rumble videos there, as well as the podcast link. So again, thank you for tuning in, and here's the second episode. Timing is everything. In case you forgot, Election Day was November 3rd, 2020. Now, because of an unprecedented amount of mail-in ballots. On November 7th, four days later, the media finally projected Joe Biden as the winner. Two days later, on November 9th, Pfizer announced vaccine study results that indicated their vaccine was 90% effective. Not to be outdone, Moderna announced their vaccine trial was 94% effective on November 15th. How convenient. Now, Joe Biden was inaugurated as our 46th president on January 20th, 2021, a little before noon. An hour later, the World Health Organization, or the WHO, announced changes to testing guidelines that will most certainly ensure that positive cases of COVID-19 will begin to plummet. PCR testing is the most common type of COVID-19 test. PCR tests take a sample of DNA and through a process, they recreate and amplify your DNA sample through cycles. While doing this, they're looking for key indicators for COVID-19. The more virus you have in a sample, the less cycles it will take to make the virus detectable. If there's only a trace amount of say old virus, it'll take more cycles to detect it. Now many labs, have been using 40 or more cycles to declare someone positive. The thought among many experts is that the upper limit should actually be somewhere between 30 and 35. This new directive from the WHO will give doctors more information before establishing a positive diagnosis. The doctor will be able to look at the cycle threshold used or the amount of cycles, as well as take into account the patient's symptoms and medical history before reporting a positive result. Now, just to be clear, this is a good thing. Positive test results will go down as a result of this. Many people who are not infectious would have been tested in December and reported as positive will now be reported as a negative case. This is a positive thing because less people will be in quarantine that really didn't need to be, resources will be directed to where they're truly needed, and there will be less of an impact on businesses and individuals' paychecks. Like I said, a good thing. What is suspicious about this is the timing. Why wait until January 20th, 2021, an hour after Biden is inaugurated, to report this? Are we really supposed to believe that they didn't have this keyed up, ready to go for months? Are we really supposed to believe that they just figured this out? Or is it possible, just maybe, that they knew exactly what they were doing all along? Is it possible that they knew more positive tests made President Trump look bad? Is it possible that they knew this change on January 20th would lead to less future positive tests, making President Biden look good before he even had a chance to act? Could this possibly be related to Trump pulling support for the WHO or Biden's promise to cancel that planned pullout? Nah, I'm sure it's just a coincidence, right? Now, Amazon, not to be outdone with perfect timing, they realized on Wednesday, January 20th, again, the day President Biden was inaugurated, that they could help with vaccine distribution. Amazon, I'm sure, never thought to leverage their infrastructure and delivery capability prior to Biden's inauguration. I mean, this guy is truly inspirational. Honestly, I'm surprised he hasn't won the Nobel Peace Prize yet. Yeah, somebody should really get on that. Now, during the campaign, candidate Joe Biden complained that the Trump administration wasn't doing enough to combat the coronavirus pandemic or or everything they were doing was wrong or racist or stupid. He claimed, elect me. I have a plan. I will make all this go away. Now, on the first day in office, he signed an executive order that required masks to be worn on federal property. And again, that day he broke that executive order. He also challenged Americans to mask up for 100 days, claiming this would save 50,000 lives. Then on Friday, two days after he uh, became president, he said this, there is nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. Wait, what? I thought the masking and the distancing and the, uh, I thought we were saved. Two months ago, you had a plan. Wednesday, you challenged us to, to wear masks, and we were going to save 50,000 lives in the next 100 days, which is roughly three months. Now, he's saying, well, not so much. Nothing we can do. Winter is coming. Some of the biggest and most restrictive lockdowns occurred in deep blue states, states like California, Michigan, New York. Pretty big economies, right? Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, now believes it's time to reopen. On January 11th, he tweeted this. We simply cannot stay closed until the vaccine hits critical mass. The cost is too high. We will have nothing left to open. We must reopen the economy but we must do it smartly and safely. Now on October 4th, before the election, he tweeted this. However, the state can't take over effective enforcement for every jurisdiction. If a local jurisdiction cannot or will not perform effective enforcement of violating entities, notify the state and we will close all business activity in hotspots where local government can't do compliance. So what changed between October 4th before the election when he said we've got to shut down everything and January 11th when it's time to reopen? Well, for starters, the coronavirus numbers got exponentially worse in New York. On October 4th, the daily reported cases in New York were 1,228. On January 11th, that number had risen to 15,202. On October 4th, again, when we need to shut down everything, active cases in New York were 67,527. On January 11th, it's time to reopen. Active cases climbed to 648,081 cases. So 68,000 cases shut down everything. 650,000 cases, we've got to get these businesses open. What are we waiting on? In the words of the great Stu Bergier of the Glenn Beck program and Stu Does America, Andrew Cuomo is awful. Now, I agree with the governor that we need to reopen the economy and get back to work before it's too late. The problem is that his current logic doesn't line up with his previous logic. So, is it possible, perhaps, theoretically speaking here, that he purposely killed the economy and killed people's private businesses for political purposes? The state of California has had some of the strictest stay-at-home orders, mask mandates, and COVID protocols in the country. In September, Los Angeles County Public Health Director, Dr. Barbara Ferrer said this. going to need from us, Uh, and then what is the experience around um, cases and outbreaks uh, when we open even for a relatively small number of people to be on campus? So we uh, don't realistically anticipate that we would be moving to either tier two or to reopening uh, K through 12 schools, at least through, uh, at least until after the election, after, you know, in early November. Like when we just look at the timing of everything, it seems to us a more realistic uh, approach to this would be to think that we're gonna be where we are now until uh, we get after, until we, we are done with the election. So we aren't opening schools until after the election. Not sure what the election has to do with opening schools, but all right, I'm with you. So on September 1st, around the time she said this, California had around 369,000 cases. As of yesterday, that number was over 1.7 million. So again, California, very, very strict lockdown, restaurants, no indoor dining, Anything, No no, outdoor dining, for that matter. But now, California Governor Gavin Newsom wants to reopen. Yesterday, he said this. Everything that should be up is up. Everything that should be down is down. Maybe the sudden turnabout has something to do with politics. Maybe the national election, or perhaps something closer to home. You may not know this, but Governor Newsom is currently facing a push to recall him as governor. According to the Wall Street Journal, proponents of the recall have raised more than $1.7 million and say they have gathered 1.2 of the 1.5 million signatures needed by March 17th to get the recall on the ballot, which under state law would likely happen in the fall. California and New York aren't alone in this. Other states like Michigan and New Hampshire have finally decided we can't hide in our basements any longer. Like I said before, timing is everything. And now, today in Leftist Hypocrisy. So President Biden announced, um, as part of his Buy America executive order, which is kind of uh, hypocritical in its own right, but as part of that he announced that he wants to replace nearly 650,000 cars and trucks um, as part of the federal government's fleet, and also replace those with clean um, electric vehicles. Now, I'm not sure if President Biden knows this or not, but electric vehicles, um, well, they run off of electricity. And uh, in order to get that electricity into the battery of the car, you have to plug it in. Um, and the way that works is power plants make that electricity. Now, the majority of our power comes from fossil fuels. Uh, fossil fuels like uh, coal and uh, natural gas Um, That's the majority of of the power in in America comes from fossil fuels. So basically you're replacing uh, driving around using gasoline or diesel fossil fuels with the electricity that was created by fossil fuels Um, So not good. the batteries, uh, that, that work, uh, the batteries that, that the cars use, um, as well, not good for the environment, full of heavy metals, um, that have to be extensively mined, very inefficient, cause a lot of pollution. Um, and then also, you know, if say the power for these new clean cars, uh, comes from solar panels or or wind turbines or whatever Uh, those aren't good for the environment either Uh, wind turbines very bad for for wildlife uh, especially migratory birds Um, very inefficient and uh, they don't last very long and the turbine blades aren't recyclable they just get dumped in a big big uh, big landfill so, not good for the environment. Solar panels, again, full full of heavy metals, very inefficient. Not good for the environment. Um, so, I mean, if it makes you feel better, that's good. Um, but, not good for the environment. just want to thank everybody again for listening to the second episode of the Matt Gore podcast. Um, I just ask that people please like, and share, give us five star reviews, whatever you can, t- uh, can do to help us grow. I want to grow this grassroots. Um, and if you have any feedback, please, uh, please reach out to me again. You can reach me at the the Facebook page, Matt Gore podcast. You can send me a message on there. Um, Again, thank you. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom.